Welcome to the Doctoral Mentoring Masterclass for faculty sponsored by Walden University's Office of Research and Doctoral Services. I'm Lee Stallander, the Associate Director of Faculty Research Training at Walden. If you're a Walden faculty member and would like credit for listening to this Masterclass podcast, please make a note of the code that will be given during the session and email it to me. I hope you enjoy the Masterclass. Well, hello and welcome. This is Lita Downs from the Office of Teaching and Learning Excellence, and I would like to welcome you to Walden University's second Doctoral Mentoring Masterclass. The Masterclasses are designed to allow faculty who have been identified as exceptional mentors to share their experiences and insights with the mentoring community. Today's session will be Creating a Community of Care. The purpose of today's session is to develop a series of strategies for how to create a community of care for online doctoral students. Dr. Lee Statlander will be moderating today's session, and at this point, I'm going to turn things over to her to get things kicked off. Welcome. Thank you, Lita. So I'm Lee Statlander, and I am the Associate Director of Faculty Research Training in ORDS. So before we begin to kind of get you into the caring mood, I'd like you to write down in three words or less, when you're in a group setting, what behavior makes you feel like someone cares about you? You can write it in the chat area or just on a piece of paper. So what behavior makes you feel like someone cares about you? going to keep those ideas in mind during our discussion today. So let's start with introducing our panel members of exceptional mentors. So Denise, would you like to introduce yourself and also tell us how many students you have? Thank you. Yes, I'll introduce myself. I'm Denise Land. I'm a faculty member and a full-time faculty member with the DBA program, Doctor of Business Administration. I also coordinate the consulting capstone for the DBA program. I've been with Walden University for 13 years now. I have four students that I mentor full-time and I'm on about 45 committees. I also supervise 35 faculty for the DBA uh, program. So I don't have as many students that I personally chair as I could otherwise have, but uh, I, I, I have ownership of all those other students <laughs> and I'm happy to be here today. Fair enough. Janice, you're muted. Janice, you have mute on. There we go, sorry. <laughs> yeah, um, I teach in the School of Nursing, the College of Nursing, and um, I've been here for since 2010, uh, first as contributing faculty and then as full-time core faculty teaching in the PhD program and I have taught in the DMP program. So I currently am chairing uh, approximately 16 students right now. I'm on about 74 committees as either member or URR. So, um, and you know, those are different levels of, of responsibility with those, but the chairing uh, committees um, are primarily where I feel like I have the most impact. So I'm, I guess that's enough about me. That's that's it. Great, thank you. And Catherine? 
Hi, I'm Katherine Walker, and I've been at Walden now for nine years, and I work in the College of Education across all different program areas, working with PhD and doctoral candidates. I teach classes, work at residency, and I also work with our Honor Society, Kappa Delta Pi, supporting our mentor programs <clears throat> and um, with whatever I'm asked to do. Thanks. So let's start with a definition. I always like to make sure we're all thinking about the same thing. So what does the term community of care mean to you? And you can just talk whoever would like. Well, I can jump in and say that, you know, I break, I break it down into two parts. You know, community is a group of like-minded people who have similar goals and focus or purpose. And that's certainly true of our classrooms. And caring is providing cares or need or provisions of safety and support for people um, who are in your community. So a community of care is, is a group of people who can benefit from who have needs and who have like-minded in their purpose and who require some level of support, safety, needs, what have you, uh, to achieve their success. That's my, that's my definition. So. Okay. Go ahead and uh, contribute or continue on with that. Um, I, I fully agree. I, I think it's a, a place where we're investing in the student, both our time, our energy, our communication, our willingness to be there as part of the journey with the student, but also make that the place in the classroom where students can engage with not only their faculty member, but also other students in the classroom, because whether the students are uh, in front of them or behind them, they're all here together and they're great uh, with sharing that journey together. So it's letting them know that this is a safe place to discuss what they're doing, to, to share their struggles, to share their successes and to help one another out, make that reach forward, make that reach backwards to help each other as they go along. And that it's not just a place to come in and post your assignment once in a while, but it's your place to dialogue and network and get that support uh, that you're not gonna get at home most of the time because doctoral work is something most of the people at your household haven't been doing. Um, so it's, it's, this is the place you can get that support uh, for, your, for your journey. And um, I like I like that exactly. Where do you get that support for your journey? When I think of the words community of care, I think about um, I, I think about wraparound services for that individual person. And what does that look like? So I and I think about it from an institutional perspective. What does the institution have to offer? And how can I, as that person's whatever role I'm playing, mentor, chair. Meth methodologist, how can I help bring those institution resources? What can I bring as an individual with my expertise? And who can I identify within the organization, the institution itself? And also seeking out other uh, supports that that individual has within their own world. You know, what does their network of support look like? So I think it's an interaction between all of those things. And the stronger that that network is, and the more coordinated and aware that we are of it as um, faculty or support people, teachers, instructors, then maybe the, the better the chance the student has of completing the program and being successful and moving on. 
you guys have kind of answered my second question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, in case there's <laughs> something else that you want to throw in. Um, so what does it, how does creating a community of care affect your mentoring? So if you keep that community of care in mind, how is that going to influence your mentoring? And Will, we will do questions at the end if you don't mind. I see you have your hand up. Thank you. So you're, yeah. you're asking these questions of the panel first? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Well, I'll jump in again uh, on this one because I think there is an individual level of a relationship that you build with students. And that's part of being in a community of care is that you're building this relationship of trust, of respect, of, of uh, acceptance and of um, accepting their beliefs and rec recognizing their beliefs and their values and what's important to them in helping them also to succeed uh, providing the feedback. And I saw a note that popped up that someone said, it's not just about the feedback. And that is so true, but it's about how you deliver the feedback. If you're giving the amount of feedback that is needed for them to be successful, and it's kind of a combination of many things, but that individual relationship, I think, is is real critical. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I find that it's really critical to have that one-on-one um, -on -one relationship to be communicating with the student on a regular basis, uh, phone, Skype, Teams, Zoom, whatever it is, yes. uh, in the classroom, out of the classroom, to communicate with them individually and communicate with them as a group of or a cohort going through the process. Uh, being there to explain the process for them, making sure they have an appropriate uh, understanding of the expectations and how to go through that. And just being there when they're, when they're struggling too. I mean, listening to them struggle sometimes in and what do I do next? How do I do all this, these, carry out all these responsibilities? And being inclusive of them when sometimes you need to nurture them a little bit more carefully, but always letting them know that you're, you're right there. Uh, when I start a classroom, when I start a new student in the class, I like to talk with that student at least once a week, uh, sometimes more depending on, and I mean face-to-face -face talking with the student uh, virtually <laughs> uh, so that we can really get to know each other and help each other uh, get to know how, how to best support that student's experience in the classroom. I uh, don't want them to get my feedback really until they're, they're comfortable with me. They trust me. They know I want their success. I want it as much as they want it. And I think that uh, the time I invest in students up front really helps to share the and reduce the time later on, really. <laughs> I mean, because uh, they, they know me, they know what to expect, and uh, they know how to anticipate how, I, how uh, we are going to work together so they are comfortable with that, even when sometimes they don't always like what the feedback that I have to share with them. Um, I still try to put it in a way to uh, let them know I'm supporting them to do their best work. If I may jump in here, I, I, I mean, I don't know all of you, but it looks like uh, we're all core faculty at Walden University, right? But then if you look at our contributing faculty, and we can't expect them to talk to every single one of their students, we don't pay them for that, right? Well, so I, I, I would just, uh, I would, I was a, I was a contributing faculty for 10 years before I was a full-time faculty, and I didn't treat my students any differently. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I had more of them. <laughs> I had more of them, but I did not have, but I didn't treat them any differently. Yeah. No, I, but, I, no, but I mean, kudos to you. But I mean, realistically, if an adjunct faculty is working for three different universities to make ends meet, then, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's a feasible idea to, to talk to each student, you know, once a week. And I'm also sometimes, I, I kind of try to have more small group meetings, not all of them because- Oh yeah, small totally group meetings are fabulous. And really you don't have to talk to every student every week. It's the newer students that might need that, that, uh, that additional communication, additional listening to additional direction about what they're doing because there's, you know, it's a pretty confusing process as you start in, in on your, your capstone activities, uh, depending on the capstone that you're in. And so it's really helping them get comfortable with what you're doing because uh, I find the, the better I can orient a student, the better and the less time they will need later on. Right. So, yeah, I, I was going to add to that question, uh, Dr. Statlander. Um, I think that, uh, and I think you have a very good point, Beate, also. Um, I, I think that to show a student that we care, how do we show them that we care? Starting with the very simple, how, how are you? Getting to know how they are at that moment in time, whatever, if it's the beginning of the your journey with them, letting them know, however, you as an individual communicates this, that you're committed to their progress, that you're going to be honest and have integrity with them and be truthful um, and, you know, truthful in terms of what's going to be feasible, what's not going to be feasible, um, showing them that you're dedicated to them. Um, and I, I, and being transparent. Um, so I think it does involve asking them some, I'm not saying to get deeply into a student's uh, personal experience, but right. understanding who they are and what makes them tick and what is their why, why are you here? Why are you pursuing this degree? But also what's on your plate and you know that good old question of what, how are we gonna balance and what are we gonna take off? But sometimes I believe that helping them explore those uh, balance issues or time management issues shows that you care because we do help them sometimes problem solve. And as adult learners, we know that they have those answers inside themselves, but it may be an inquiry process that spurs them on to identify how best to proceed or what they need to drop or do to resolve some personal issue that they may be having. So I think just like we build relationships with our colleagues and with our friends, it is to have integrity and be open and honest and listen uh, and dedicated to that person. So how long do you talk to your students each time? As with my uh, committee, the students that I'm mentoring uh, and doctoral student, uh, faculty, not faculty, but the students that are getting in doing their capstone projects, those students, I set up meetings with them during their prospectus for 30 minutes every week until their prospectus is finished. And after the prospectus is finished, then we set it up based on as needed. So I might be meeting with some student. In fact, a few students I've had want to continue to meet weekly until they finish. 
But for the most part, those students I don't meet with as regularly. In the classroom, it's based on the needs of the student and whether they're successful in, the, in their assignments and what have you. I do about the same that, you know, it's it's most intense in the 8100 courses while they're working in the uh, and I don't know if all programs have that, but in the early courses where they're working on the prospectus, you know, it could be a half hour, but sometimes it's just 10 minutes. Sometimes they just need a direction of which way do I go where I don't quite understand what right. this was and and I can explain it more verbally, better verbally than sometimes I can explain it in writing for them. So they got it. And that's the whole uh, the whole help. And uh, one of the things, one of the tricks I used started a long time ago was I established myself a Google number. Uh, it's a free Google phone number that's that I give to students, and this is the number I give to students all the time. And it rings through to my phone, my personal phone, during certain hours, so they can call me any old time they want. And uh, I can see if it comes through some other time, but it comes to me during office hours, which I've told them about. And it allows them to leave a message and I call them back as soon as possible if they need to, or we've set up predetermined times, but they don't have my personal phone number to always call me 24-7. <laughs> they have this other, other, other line they can use and it's a no cost, no cost uh, thing that has worked very well for, I've used it for probably 15 years in my work with students. I, and I, I meet with students. Uh, I seek to find out what, what is going to work for them. And, and I think we've all kind of said that. I do think that prospective stage is critical and meeting more frequently and regularly as you've described on a weekly basis is particularly useful, especially during that uh, J-curve development time in terms of learning. Uh, but I also believe that we need to look at what serves the student and some student, as, as we all know, some students are telephone people, some people are Zoom people or Teams people. Uh, that soft sell Teams phone is a great, great new um, option that we have with the Telem to have a soft sell uh, phone line and um, letting them uh, really drive that process. However, I would also add that um, I do uh, increase that face-to-face uh, -face intensity if, if I don't see the progress being made that one would expect. And I do let the students know, as I'm sure we all do up front, uh, kind of, I heard Dr. Darcy Highland say the other day, she, I let them know my MO, that Darcy's MO, and I loved that expression so that they, they know what, what you expect. So like, yeah, we can meet every other week as long as this is working. And then if it's not, we're going to problem solve as, as a team here. And it may look like we're going to meet weekly, something like that. So I like to try to leave room for negotiation of uh, what that looks like if the student uh, progress submission changes in any way. Mm -hmm. One of the things I started a long time ago when I had a lot of students, when I had like 20 students on my caseload that I was chairing, is I did week weekly open office hours. So I would be on the Zoom for one hour every week at the same old time, and they could come in and drop in and talk to me. Uh, and they would, sometimes they would just talk and share with each other about what's going on and how this works and how that works. And sometimes they would ask more 
um, for more specific uh, individualized information. And I would all, could always, would always do uh, an individual session if that's appropriate to that student. But the group sessions have been, I mean, I've been, I have been doing those for 15 years about with students. And I originally did it because even with 20, you know, when I was a part-time faculty member and even as a full-time faculty member doing, you can do 20 individual calls during a week and have anything else you're doing <laughs> or much more that you're doing. So it was a way to really help them bond together and uh, promote that. And they've even kind of morphed into uh, doing little presentations for each other. We have little, we have guest speakers. We focus on how do you do this process or this technique or what do you do when you get to this part or how do you do uh, member checking or how do you do participant recruitment or whatever it is you're doing in your, in your process, uh, we can go through that as a group. And so it's been very, very helpful to um, do those. And, and, you know, yeah, it's extra time every week, but you know what? I've felt, I've felt it, that it is as important thing, one of the most important things I do with students that I haven't given it up in 15 years. <laughs> you know, and my students, I have alumni come to those sessions and reach out, reach back and say, hey, this is how you do this. Uh, this is how I handled it. And, uh, you know, students know these are not active students anymore. They know they're alumni. So we're not, you know, we don't cover any feedback or any grades or anything like that. So it's not a FERPA issue. Uh, and the students know who they're talking to. And it, it's really a great arena to give them that um, extra support. That's great. I do something similar with it once a month and where we have a meeting and whoever wants to come, we have alumni, we have people that are brand new and it's a chance to hear that people do get done, which I think is important. Yes. <laughs> and that there is life after getting a doctorate. Um, but then they can also ask questions and give it each other advice. I like that a lot. Does anyone do any other group type activities that you feel like you're you're creating a community for your I use um, I use the um, in the classroom um, the group meeting that you can do in Blackboard. Now I don't know how that's going to change with our change, but um, I have opened up those sessions and invite students, and I usually put that in in the first week for like the research classes, quant or qual when I've taught those and I've done it in the companion courses. So just open it up, students get to meet each other and they get to ask questions of each other. And in the companion group, they got to meet each other the first time and they followed through together as a cohort. So they kind of created their own um, community of care, you know, that the peer to peer support is really important, I think. And I think that sets the stage for it. So it's collaborating the Blackboard, but I'm not sure what it's gonna be in uh, campus. I, I agree, I, I've, I've used it not enough. I'd like to use it more where uh, if a student has say developed a particular skill and done something really well and worked hard at it, I've had them uh, like lead a session and then you know put it out on uh, Zoom and invite a group of students uh, and other faculty, I've invited a few of my colleagues who might be sitting on the committees mm -hmm. for that student to uh, have that opportunity to, to teach, you know, here's what I use to conduct my qualitative analysis and here's 
how it worked and things like that. And um, and, I, and I, I think the students really enjoyed that. And it was really great, I think, to see a student, you know, be the leader and shine and get to present what they work so super hard on. Um, and I agree. I've, I've heard several of y'all online talk about how you uh, connect students and uh, get them to network with each other. And I started to ask permission of different students. You know, is it okay if I connect you with, you know, another person and vice versa, if I give, you know, checking to make sure um, with uh, making those peer mentor connections informally. And then I'm also, there's always that um, mentor, you know, our peer mentor group that we have with Walden. Uh, and then we have our monthly student success meetings. But um, yeah, I think making, you know, creating that community of care and learners, the, the more people in their lives that they can have who, who are rooting them on, who believe in them and understand the process, I think is going to increase the likelihood because we know the literature says that engagement, the collaboration uh, makes, makes a difference. They have to be collaborating with someone. And I believe one of the articles that one of you had brought up um, in our pre-meeting was an article that was done on community of care in elementary schools. And they showed that the students who were part of community of care had greater resiliency. And so therefore were able to get through greater events that occurred in their, their academic lives as they went. So that was pretty impressive to me and makes builds the case further for building a community of care. So just to emphasize, we're talking about not just the faculty being the community of care. This is, we want to create a community for the students with each other and so that they have peer support as well as us. Mm -hmm. And I think that often will let them ask questions of their peers rather than having to go constantly to Right. faculty to get answers to things. So it does reduce time just in that mm -hmm. portion of it. It does. And, you know, I remember when I was a doctoral student 20 years ago and I ran home from work every day to jump into my classroom, my, you know, virtual classroom to, to chat and dialogue with my, my cohort of, of students. It was the thing that drove me forward. And I want it that way to, to be that way first, first, uh, students that I engage with also is that they want to be with each other. They want to dialogue and, and chat with each other about what they're doing in their process and how they're driving that forward. And they, they're doing mutually similar things at one time or the other as they go through that process. And it's, you know, the, the faculty sets up the arena, arena for the engagement, but the faculty doesn't have to be part of all that engagement all the time. They, they are one part of it, but they're not the whole thing of it. Uh, definitely it's uh, making a comfortable place for students to be involved. I do think the faculty can model it. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And oh, that shows how to do it, you know. Yes, definitely. And making it a safe place of, of you know, yes. saying ouch when ouch happens or, or whatever. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, that, that uh, sometimes we don't always like the news we got. <laughs> and, you know, okay, so how do we work through this? Or how do we look at this a different way or a different perspective when something's hard? Because something's going to be hard. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes uh, just throwing that out there of, you know, 
this person got some tough news from their URR. How do you think they ought to approach this? Right. And, you know, letting this other student say, oh, it's okay. I did it. You just take it one time at one thing at a time and you'll get through it. I mean, that makes them feel like, you know, people care about them. And, and I'm not the only one that got this kind of review. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know. Well, we have had some questions and I want to get back to those. Will, you had a question that you wanted to ask. I actually, I was going to comment that I really like Catherine's view as we've just been having a follow-up discussion of it, of this notion of community. The, the whole Walden system is set up so that an individual faculty member doesn't have to be relied on individually, right? So building a team with the second member contributing to this notion that we're a team as opposed to, you know, I'm the chair and I'll, I'll contact you, you know, if I need you. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and then likewise, going to all the other elements of support and help, the librarians, all the folks that are so talented that can help provide the needs of a student and sort of being the, 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 uh, the conductor, making sure the student can find the right track. <laughs> nice, yeah. And knowing when I turn over a student to somebody else that they're going to take care of them. <laughs> and I'm never turning over them fully, but you know, if I, yep. if I, if I connect them to a librarian or I connect them to a writing editor or, or somebody else that's teaching a workshop or something like that, I, I know this Walden community is going to take care of our students. Yep. And it's sa the same for, for the other committee members that are uh, part of that student success mm -hmm. team. And so it's, it's, uh, you know, that's one of the things I love about Walden University is it's a very collaborative uh, arena <laughs> um, to, to get to be in every day. Absolutely. That's a good point. I think we see that uh, community of care gets built in our residency experiences. Mm -hmm. uh, we, I mean, it's almost like you, you see it grow and it's, it's powerful. Um, finishing up a residency tonight, as a matter of fact, with a, a small group um, and uh, because it's the, the advanced group, you know, who come to like get finished with some element of their journey. And um, it is about, you know, letting them have talk time to each other and, and doing that kind of like reflection. What do you think about uh, what they've said so that because uh, that's a valuable skill for them to take on other people's perspectives, right? Um, uh, and let them, uh, so anyway, I, I totally agree with you. And then they get each other's phone numbers and they stay in touch. And, um, and, and, I, and I think that uh, the, one of the elements that's so important, and I, I think it's hard to practice this as, as humans sometimes, because I don't know if we're designed this way or what, is that element of positivity how do we stay super positive maybe when everything's not really super positive but how do we really stay super positive and engaged with our students in a in a healthy way and um because i know from by looking at the literature to make sure i was really informed about today um i i was i've, I've read about how important the aspect of being positive with our students you know, is. And so I wanted to throw that out um, as well. And it, and it sounds kind of maybe nebulous, but, you know, I'm wondering, like, what does that look like? And how do we ensure that? And, um, you know, maybe when our glass isn't half full, how, how do we keep 
being that positive force for our students to help them take that next step. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it too is just believing in them mm -hmm. that, you know, I really think you can do this. And, you know, I'm looking forward to putting that hood on you so that, yeah. you know, that helps them at least feel like somebody is believing in them, even though they might be getting some negative comments, we still think they're going to make it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I let students know that, you know, anytime I, I bridge that feedback from a committee member to the student, I tell them, you know, this URR, this SEM, they've given you feedback that will support the quality of your work. So you're going to be proud of it in five years after you're done with this. Five years, 10 years, you know, and I tell them the funny story of one time I had a house guest that came out of the guest room and said, I just read a fabulous book in your room. It was, it was, and it was my doctoral, it was my dissertation <laughs> that my university bound into a book. And I, you know, I had showed, thrown it on a uh, bookshelf in the guest room where we had our bookcases. <laughs> wow. And, and one of my house guests came and read, you know, read that one night. <laughs> I was like, uh, you know, I want to be proud of it, right? I am proud of it. But it's like, yeah, you, that was, you want people to be proud of it. You want to be proud of it. You know, so we're always, you know, this is an iterative process. We're always, always, always working uh, to, to get the very best. So we have doctoral competence when we're done. And, and, you know, as they get close to that, we like know it because, uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, they, they're shining. And that's, that's, that's why we do this. And early on in my uh, mentoring doctoral students, I started doing an announcement when one of the students got their CAO approval. And then I got so much positive feedback and never thought it might actually have a negative feedback for the people that were struggling more. But I got a lot of feedback from students to say it really helps when I can see someone else make it. So from then on, I tried to always announce the major milestones to say, please congratulate the student. She just got her CAO approval or she just defended, you know. So mm -hmm. I think it's had a positive effect. I can see how it could have maybe put some people that are struggling more, a little more uncomfortable because they haven't gotten there yet. That's, that's a really good point. I, I, I think, of, and my background is special education uh, in my past life. And so y'all are probably familiar with the research about the, the ratio of positives to negatives. And, you know, in terms of like there's ratio that says it has to be five to one or three to one, you know, three positives for every negative and negative can be perceived as even just a redirection or a, a negative criticism feedback in the classroom, please do X instead of Y. And to neutralize that negative, you know, piece that's just Velcroed into the person's neurological system, we, it, it, the literature says, you know, you have to balance it out. So when I'm talking to my students, I mean, like I have to work that muscle, right? Of, of am I, am I, am I keeping in at least a three to one? Am I ending on a positive note? I mean, I know we all learn that in our onboarding and training with regard to the sandwiching piece, but I do think that students are different and some need more than others. Some have, are, are not as resilient perhaps as others. And so sometimes I have to really super tailor what I'm doing because um, I, I mean, I do give a lot of feedback and sometimes it's too much and I have to like, back off uh, because it is too much. So I, I, I have to be aware of what am I being positive and what net effect am I having on that student? 
The code for this podcast is Mandy813. Do we have any other questions? And you're welcome to go off mute and ask it if you'd like. Um, this is Miriam. I was just going to say I agree that announcements are can be very, very positive. As Janice said, I try to do that for milestones all the time. And I do feel that even if a student doesn't comment, they they feel finally that, oh, all this work is going to pay off someday. And I, I think it can be encouraging to them. And it says to the student that accomplished the milestone, you know, I really recognize this with the yeah. whole group, which I think is very good as well. And it makes me feel good. I think sometimes for students, it's almost like, you know, if they are not hearing that other people are making it, it's like they're in a vacuum. And, you know, it's like, I'm doing all this, but is it going to ever get done? And to see other people making it, it makes a huge difference. I do want to mention, we had mentioned it in the first master class, but the idea of the app GoToMeeting, it, you can use it on smartphones and it's a texting app. And I use it all the time with my students. And initially I would you know, make a comment each day, like how are things going and let them get started. But now I very rarely make any comments. They just do it themselves. They talk about their personal life. They talk about their projects. I have alumni on it. You know, it just has gotten a whole life of its own. And it saves so much time in the long run because they will ask each other questions and ask where resources are and that type of thing. So I really recommend that one. I think that's really good, too, because I think technologically, I hear students are really super into messaging, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I know we're still in that world of email a lot, but it's become more of a messaging age, I think. So that's very, uh, I think it's great that you remind us of that. Well, I, I do a lot of messaging with with my students. And... Um, I just had a, an amazing experience being inspired by one particular student who's finished and and she did uh, a dissertation on uh, uh, creativity. And uh, so we're at the end and I'm involved in some other uh, initiative and I had made a video uh, that's going to be shown at, at a a conference in Italy and I thought well should I share this should I be that transparent but I was inspired by this student and I said so and then I just put it in and it kind of jettisoned some some conversation about what do we do with the um, how do we disseminate our findings and the student who had finished started talking about what she's been doing already. So that, you know, and the conversation will probably uh, continue with, with our video conferences. So, I, you know, I'm thinking more and more about transparency and uh, the collaborative learning, collaborative, you know, and empowerment, empowering the students. 
Nice. I, I want to uh, just magnify your word too. I really appreciate what you, the words that popped out at me were transparency and collaboration. Um, and I guess the more reading I'm doing and, uh, and, and one of the courses I'm teaching right now, they're talking about the element of collaboration and, and how it can be used really to build a community of learners or, or change the climate of an organization or how it can just how the power of collaboration period. And I'm seeing it, you know, in Fullen's work in terms of um, building a community of learners. And I see now how it relates to, I mean, in, in, in the research, it relates to how do we build a community of care for our students and what, how, how, how are the different ways we can collaborate? And we just, that's what we've been talking about today. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, we are almost out of time. Any final comments from our panel? I wanted to mention, I thought it was great that all of you provided so many ways to connect with students. I know we all know it, but it was really nice to hear it and how successful that can be. So thank you. All right. I want to remind everyone that we will have our next masterclass on Monday, September the 12th at 4 p.m. Eastern. It'll be on fostering positive relationships. Thanks to our panel. It's apparent in their caring and their leadership with their students, why they are considered exceptional mentors. I'd like to end with a reminder of the words that you provided at the start of our session. Your students may be virtual, but seeing them as individuals and listening to them is going to help you create a community of care. And if you would like, if you have other ideas and tips that you would like to be included in our online doctoral mentoring guidebook, please send them to me and I will add you in. This podcast was sponsored by Walden University's Office of Research and Doctoral Services. Our music was by Excel Music Publishing, licensed under Creative Commons. Mm -hmm.